Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Live podcast series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and data science professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Rebecca Calajaris, Vice President of Marketing at Pragmatic Institute, and your host for this episode. Today, I'm excited to welcome Chad Eckes, founder of C Squared E, a consultancy in the Minneapolis area focused on strategy, marketing, business development, and mergers and acquisitions. Welcome, Chad. Thanks, Rebecca. Great to be here. All right, Chad, I know that you're, you do a lot of different work with the companies you work with in Minneapolis. Can you tell us a little bit about what types of organizations that you work with and sort of where your biggest passion lies in that? Sure, happy to, happy to talk about that. So um, I've been doing this consulting thing for, um, on my own for the last 10 years, and most of my clients our software and software as a service businesses, you know, kind of middle market size, anywhere from 10 to 200 million in sales. And uh, my services range from, you know, a, 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 like market research, uh, voice of the customer. I do a lot of primary and secondary research, but then I also, you know, I turn that um, information, that data into go to market strategies for my clients. So typically, you know, product strategies, um, taking them to market, what's the right, um, business plan, marketing plan, positioning. So, you know, really touches, you know, just to bring pragmatic marketing and uh, pragmatic institute in this, it definitely uh, hits on a lot of the areas of the pragmatic marketing framework. Uh, but if, you know, you were to put a, um, a, a, an area of the framework um, towards my services, it would sort of be that upper left quadrant. Ah, you know, that's our, that is our favorite. And it's one of the most critical. And of course, the cornerstone of all of that is market problems. Um, and one of the things I know you do and work with your, your clients on is primary research, right? How do we uncover those problems and uncover understanding of our audience? So I would love today to dig into some of those best practices that you've kind of grown and groomed along the way as you've done that, that can help our audience as they go and do research and focus on understanding the market and its problems. Sure. Um, well, yeah. Where to start with that? Um, you know, I guess the, the first the, the first thing that comes to mind is just having a, you know, knowing that 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 it's important, right? Like knowing that um, getting out of the office, talking to people um, with purpose is is super critical, right? Uh, I had the opportunity to be in a product manager role for a software company here in the Twin Cities uh, a number of years ago. And that was an area that I got to focus on, right? So I'd, I'd go out in the field with the sales team, uh, you know, talk to prospects, understand their environments, understand the, you know, the people making decisions or that will be using the product. And then, you know, being able to actually ask questions, you know, uh, along with the sales team. And there, there's two different purposes there, of course. There's uh, the sales team who wants to make a sale and make, you know, everything go smoothly. And then there's the product manager who really wants to uncover, you know, is there a real problem to solve here? And uh, how can I make the product better or the service better? But anyhow, again, it's, it's kind of that, that initial um, just nose and curiosity for getting out there. Um, and whether that's, again, field visits or... Phone calls, I think both are really great. Phone calls can be even better sometimes. So just having that that sense of purpose and then, uh, you know, getting your team, you know, uh, your manager or just the budget to go do that. Um, I've definitely seen that sometimes a challenge at some of my uh, clients where, you know, product management doesn't even have a budget to go do client visits. And I kind of say, why is that? That's, that's one of the most important parts of the job. Um, 
And then, you know, I guess the next um, best practice or one would just be, again, being purposeful about those visits or those calls. And what I, what I, what I mean by that is, you know, come up with uh, a set of, you know, a short list of um, questions that you're looking to answer, you know, for any particular conversation or any particular, you know, broader research initiative. So, you know, start with the big picture in mind, you know, what are we trying to do here? Uh, grow sales of an existing product? Are we trying to identify a new market segment for this product? Or are we just, are we in R&D mode and we're really looking to, you know, where do we bring this product first? And what are the, you know, what are the pain points and, and how are we going to position this? So, you know, have that big picture question in mind and then break it down into a handful of sub questions that you can actually, you know, ask of uh, your, your customer or your potential buyer. Um, write those down, put them in an interview guide, and then have them with you and, and try to be consistent with, you know, going through that interview guide. Um, I so guess what, another best practice would be, you know, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, let's dig in for a minute there. But what do you think makes a good question? So when we're putting together our guide and we know the overall thing we're trying to get answered and think of sub-questions, what makes the best questions? Yeah, I, I was about to kind of get to that. So great question. Uh, it, you know, really, it's open-ended questions, and you know, you, I, I really look for uh, whoever I'm talking to. I'm really looking for them to do most of the talking, right? I want to be the listener, and I want them to do the talking, and I want them to talk about, you know, whatever's coming to mind based on what I ask them. I might be looking for very specific. Um, you know, things to key off of and very specific answers. But at the same time, I want to hear it, you know, uh, from them. I don't want to put answers in their mouth. So, again, open-ended questions, um, again, getting to, of course, the root of the research that we're trying to do, but um, open-ended. And then I guess another thing I would say is, you know, every every interview or every conversation is going to be different, and you don't know what style that person is going to bring to the table on that particular day, right, that particular hour. So I usually, you know, uh, frame things up very conversationally. I may, you know, just start with small talk or just get them talking about, you know, easier topics like tell me about your role, tell me about you know, the business that you're in and tell me, um, you know, just, just some softball type things uh, just to get them talking. Generally, they know why they're talking to me. You know, it's been it's been teed up that you know this is the scope of the conversation. This is my purpose. This is what we're trying to get out of the conversation, and they've agreed to do that. So they they have an idea of what they're about to talk about. But again, I like to kind of get things going on a, a little softer note so that they kind of open up and get comfortable with the conversation. Well, Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I think helping people loosen up uh, is critical for sure. Yeah. Oh, excellent. All right. So what next? We've, we've got our list of questions. We've answered them uh, open-ended to make sure that they know that we're listening to them and we're looking for them. We've got some easy ones up front to get the sort of juices flowing and getting them talking. What's the next best practice? Um, I, I would say uh, I'll, 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 I'll take this a couple ways. So one is, uh, you know, one is if you're there in person, right? And that might be different than if you're on the phone. Um, if you're there in person, then, you know, I, I would say you're going to be obviously looking them in the eye, showing them that you're listening, taking cues from them, not looking at your interview guide or your paper all the time and just trying to get through the, the meeting, right? You really want to 
um, again, be listening, be active, and let the conversation go in ways that you probably might not expect, right? And, and again, you should have in your mind the things you really want to get to, and you might have a sequence to those questions, but you really want to um, allow the conversation to flow in a way that you know, they want to take it, right? Because they may, they may hit on something early that, you know, you thought might have been later in your, your interview guide, but you want to dive in there, right? Like, oh, okay, tell me more about that. That sounds really challenging. Or, geez, I didn't know that, um, you know, tell, tell, tell me more. So I guess, you know, in that face-to-face -face encounter, you really, you know, you got to use your body language and use your uh, demeanor to show that you're listening and, and kind of show that empathy. Um, when it comes to the phone, you don't have that body language as much, but you do have certainly, you know, verbal cues, um, and the same rules will definitely apply as, in terms of letting the conversation flow. But one thing I would say, you know, it might be different about the phone is that, uh, you know, you really do have to pick up on um, some of those subtle um, verbal cues or those subtle, you know, changes of intonation to really understand the emotion coming out in a particular phrase or a particular commentary, right? And so you're still, again, very actively listening, but you have to pick up on things more based on, on voice and, and speed or, you know, other things with their uh, intonation to really, you know, know when to drill in or know when to say, uh, you know, this, this isn't going where we want it to go. Let's move on to the next question, right? So it, it, there are subtle things like that, but it all kind of stems from, you know, the act of listening, right? And really trying to pick up on what that person is saying. Um, so that would be some of my, my next piece of advice. Now, another one, if, if, uh, if I could, that I sort of forgot to mention um, is one of my practices, and I think others as well, but one of my practices is to try to record the conversation um, using my, my, my phone. Or again, if I'm doing it, if I'm doing it over the phone, I might use like a, you know, like an Uber conference or a Zoom um, service so that I can record the conversation. I always ask permission for that up front, um, and usually I don't get any pushback at all, uh, especially if I say, you know, this is for my internal purposes only. I'm not sharing this broadly. Um, everything you tell me is confidential between us and, you know, between your company and my company. But again, I, I think recording the conversation is important um, because, again, if you're actively listening, what you're not doing is actively typing notes. You're not actively trying to write down some key things that people said. The key is that you can then go back and listen and then pick up those quotes or even get the, uh, the audio transcribed. I do that quite a bit as well. So then I have almost a full record of what was said. And those quotes can be golden, right? If you're trying to, you know, move some sort of message, you know, across your organization, whether it's the sales team, the product team, um, in my case, my clients, right? Whoever that might be, those quotes can, you know, they can really resonate uh, with with the end a reader of those quotes. Like, oh, you, you can see the emotion in them. You can you can see patterns in them if you're talking to multiple people. Um, so that's another key to success that I wanted to point out is just the uh, concept of recording the conversations and then certainly listening to them again and or transcribing them. I think that's so true, Chad. One of the things we talk about is how important it is to not base all your opinions on one interview. But I also can tell you that a quote from one interview is sometimes infinitely more power as you're trying powerful internally as you're trying to share results than, you know, a, a, a survey of 100, 
right? So there's that balancing act that's yep. important in both. And I think to your point, if I can record it, then I can really pull out in their words um, quotes that will really help what I've discovered or what I've un uncovered rather uh, really resonate internally. Yeah, and I will I will tell you that there. I mean, a great point, by the way, about um, you know, obviously doing more than just one conversation or one interview. You know, typically um, on projects I work on, a, a minimum would be ten. Again, whether that's you know internal um, employees like the sales team or you know existing customers or or non-customers and experts, right? So I think a, a good number to think about, you know, is is ten. You can start to see real trends in the information you're collecting um, at 10. Um, sometimes it goes as high as, as 30, depending on, again, the scope and the, the research you're looking to do. But um, again, the idea that it could be just one quote from one person that accentuates a point for you to make you know, in a presentation or with your colleagues, with your team, um, those to me again those can be the the gold nuggets in that whole initiative of doing voice of the customer or doing um, primary research and you can't you can't get those um, if you're not actively listening and you can't get those as easily if you are not recording the conversations either but um, again i just would underline the point you made there that we're making that you know some of these quotes can be very powerful influencers uh, downstream awesome all right, so as you uh, do all these different primary research and record them, um, I have several different questions, but one of them is, you know, what specific things do you tend to, or your customers looking for with these? What, are, what, is, what is the output they're hoping to do and what have you been able to help them uncover? Sure, I think first and foremost, it's uh, is there a problem in the market worth solving? Right? Is is this is, is there again? The hypothesis is there is a problem, and you know these particular personas are experiencing it, and we want to validate that so that we know that our go-to-market is on point, or that our product feature set is on point, um, or that our distribution strategy is on point. You know, it could be again a myriad of those things on the pragmatic framework that you're trying to get right. Um, and you're essentially doing homework before you make investments in them. So it's it's really around that area, right? So you're probing for, I, again, you, you you know, the questions are going to revolve around, you know, do you see, you know, tell me about challenges in this particular area or this particular process of your business or your day in the life? Um, do you see that getting worse? Do you see it getting better? Um, what what have you done to try to rectify that? problem in the past, right? Would you consider technology as a solution? So I'm just giving you some generic examples here, but, you know, it's, it really is around trying to validate, um, you know, problems. And, and then another area would probably be competition, right? So what do you see as uh, some of the leaders in solving these problems? Why are they leaders? What makes them special? Um, why would you consider them in a, um, you know, in an RFP or in a, in, a, in an opportunity. So things like that, right? Um, does that kind of answer the question? No, that's great. That's great. And so then when you okay. have, um, when you when you get all the market research, how do you how do you present it against those trends? So how do you help take all the interviews you have and sort of all that sort of raw, unstructured data 
and turn it back into some guidance uh, in a way that they can understand and a way that they find um, valid or uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so here is uh, here's where some more work comes in, but again, it can be very valuable. So again, let's assume for a minute that we, again, we had created a good interview guide. We had all the right um, people lined up that we talked to. We recorded some or all the conversations, and we even had them transcribed, or we reviewed them and kind of picked out, you know, some key quotes, right? So what I do and then I'll go through those notes or go through those transcriptions, and I'll essentially start summarizing some of the quotes, right? I'll, I'll give them headlines, you know, like, um, you know, you know, XYZ problem exists or, uh, you know, I'll give them headlines and I'll start putting them in a list. And then as I go through all of the past interviews, if I see that headline crop up again, you know, in the conversation, I'll put another check mark by it, right? So I'll start counting headlines. Like, oh, out of the 10 interviews I did, eight people all cited uh, SAP as the big player in this market, or, you know, nine out of 10 all responded this way to that question. That starts to quantify all that unstructured and, you know, qual qualitative data. And then you can start again, seeing the trend lines and start seeing, you know, the, uh, you know, the, you can start seeing, um, you know, more of the, the details of what you're trying to get at. And then that, again, that kind of goes into your, um, uh, you know, whether that's a, a presentation to your executive team, your developers or your client or whatever, you know, you can actually show uh, the patterns that showed up. Right. And then you can underpin those patterns with those quotes. So, again, just to you know, restate that, because it might not have been um, super efficient. Essentially, you know, try to find the headlines or, or kind of summarize some of the, the things you're, you're hearing or reading. Identify where they're showing up multiple times in you know, various interviews across different people. And then essentially, you know, where you see high counts of those headlines, that's clearly a main theme right, from those conversations. And again, sometimes they may not, since you're answering, since you're asking open-ended questions, you don't know what those are gonna be in advance, right? Or you may, have, you may have guesses, you may have hopes, like I hope everybody says, you know, this is a big problem and they'll spend $100,000 on it. But you're gonna learn through, you know, reading through or reviewing those notes, what they really think. And that, that's real data, right? That's real voice of customer, voice of market in my opinion. There's nothing more powerful than that, right? Do you have a... Um, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Do you, well, not that we're not biased in here. We might be. But do, <laughs> we ha do you have a favorite story of a client you worked with and uh, maybe something unexpected they uncovered or something they did um, with the data that you found that you'd like to share? Hmm. Let me think about that. Because um, it, it, it has been something I've done a fair amount, so... It's uh, there's a kind of a longer list of, of these projects and these initiatives for me to think through. Um, you know, I, one example might be this. So it was um, it was a healthcare information technology company. So essentially, a software company that was um, promoting their solutions to hospitals, uh, physicians' offices, surgery centers, etc. And there was a particular product that they had launched, um, you know, some years back that was, it was okay, but it wasn't doing great. And so they, they really wanted to understand what could make it better, 
right? What is it? Is it product features? Is it um, is it price? Is it um, is, you know, is the competition just way better than us? Is, is our distribution strategy not the best? We really didn't know, right? But we wanted to figure that out because all kinds of options are on the table for what to do with this solution, this product. So the, the scope of the project was to, you know, talk to a lot of the salespeople uh, that were already, you know, selling or trying to sell the product. It was talking to existing customers of other products who hadn't purchased this product. And so the answer was why? So kind of like win-loss analysis. Um, and then we conducted a focus group of, um, you know, potential executives that who would, you know, be potential buyers. Um, so we had probably 25, 30 voices, you know, included in all of that. And what we found was, you know, uh, that th there was a there was a very good active market for this solution. Uh, we shouldn't run away from it by any means. Uh, the product was actually pretty decent, but the market just wasn't quite there yet. Um, but it was coming. So you know they all expressed you know these potential customers and and you know uh, they all expressed pain. They all expressed interest but they had other priorities, but they all kind of said, but this is probably the next wave. Like we will probably need to focus on this in 18 to 24 months. And yeah, we would consider your client, you know, a very logical choice since we're buying other products from them already. And it takes a very special kind of um, company to support this sort of solution. And there's kind of a small list that we would even consider. So it was very insightful and helped the client, you know, kind of, keep, you know, moving ahead with the solution. There were certainly some changes to, uh, we made some changes to positioning and, uh, you know, we retrained the sales force a little bit, um, got them more energized about it because, you know, we could show them that, you know, there's real data here that says this, this, is, this wave is coming uh, and these are some of your existing customers now. Um, so that got them re-energized and sure enough, deals started coming in. You know, within the next year, um, more opportunities, more deals. I mean, some of that has to do with just, again, putting a focus on it or a renewed focus on it from a sales and marketing standpoint. But sure enough, there was activity and there was transactions. And so um, that was a great, you know, case study where the, the research proved out, you know, that the market was there and the problems were there and that um, the product should continue to, you know, keep moving forward. There's definitely been situations where the answer is not as um, attractive from a, a go-to-market standpoint, and the answer is more fuzzy as to whether there should be continued investment or, um, or you know, maybe taking another course. But that, that's one that comes to mind anyway. Does your process or the approach that you would recommend change based on any of those, or is it really fairly similar? Uh, it's it's fairly similar, you know, the things that we've talked about today, I don't think a lot of that changes too much. I, I guess one qualifier might be that a lot of my experience with this is in a, a B2B environment. So, you know, technology companies selling into other enterprises. I don't think it changes too much if you're talking B2C. Um, you know, the, the, the conversation would be different, of course. Your price points might be different. Um, and that you might have more opportunity to have more frequent, you know, primary research uh, conversations just because you might have a much larger uh, number of customers. But um, I don't think the, the, the methodology or the, the importance changes much at all, de depending, you know, on either B2B versus B2C or 
know, healthcare versus retail versus manufacturing. I think um, the philosophy and the the methods are generally the same. And I, I will say that you know I I do have um, you know I, I have one of my past employers to thank for you know teaching me this this method and uh, you know having us practice it. Um, I think I think it was all stemming from a book called Voices and the Choices. It, it probably goes back maybe 15, 20 years, but um, your listeners can look that one up. But you know, a lot of that um, that methodology is, is certainly written about and, and documented in, in books like that, and, and it's fairly prescriptive. So I think it's uh, you know a fairly well used methodology. I might not be using it to the T per se, but. Um, I mean, there's there's methods and um, textbooks out there that help uh, help people learn how to do this. Awesome, and I might recommend a, a course or two. If <laughs> oh, uh, sure. Yes, no, uh, but it's true, and I, I think there's some courses. We've got some other resources online, but you know, one of the things I always say is that you know, no matter whether you give a perfect market visit, no matter if you do a ton, you always learn something. And so the most important part for me is always just, just start, just get out, talk yeah. to someone, evolve from there. Um, and you know, if you do have the opportunity to do a bigger project where you can get mass 10, 12 people, uh, whether it's by leveraging a partner like you or a different organization, cause it's hard to get that kind of time, but that's also, a great way to jumpstart perspectives and jumpstart conversations. But if nothing else, at least start and get out there and do one. Yeah. And I, just to build on that, you know, if, you, if I put myself back in uh, product management shoes from some time ago, and like I said, uh, you know, getting out into the field uh, with the sales team and to some degree, you know, your you know, product managers often or should be, somewhat accountable for top line, you know, of their products. So and in that case, I was, so I was very much interested in um, being out in the field, um, both selling, but really learning as well, right? So it's a good kind of combination, what, you know, business development rep, and then you have the product manager out there, um, you know, whether it's an early conversation or you're well into demos, um, I just think it's really important for product managers or product marketers, whatever that title might be in your organization to, um, you know, have, have that curiosity, have that interest in getting out into the field and not just on visits to prospects, but certainly doing customer visits, um, attending conferences, trade shows, um, you know, organizing user groups, advisory boards. I think that's another, um, that definitely goes along in this, whole conversation around research is, you know, if you're in those shoes as a product marketer, product manager, um, get those customer advisory boards going and, you know, build those relationships with customers um, so that then it's easier when you want to do, you know, more of a research like type project that you've got a relationship with those people and you can just call them up or send them an email and be like, Hey, it was great that I saw you at the advisory board or thanks for participating. Hey, I've got about, you know, three or four questions I'd love to ask you kind of related to X, Y, Z topic. Could I uh, grab you for 30 minutes on the phone? So it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just that mentality, right? That you've got to be out there um, looking to have those conversations, um, spending time on it, having budget for it, um, and and having that you know even in your uh, your your business objectives, your performance objectives, right? You know maybe quantify it and make it a KPI for your role, which is um, you know I'm going to have 
three conversations a month, or I'm going to be out in the market 30% of the time, you know, just try to put a, a pinpoint on it and, and then measure yourself. Great. All right. Uh, we talked about all kinds of things, but are there any other best practices about research that you'd like to bring up or anything that we talked about that you just want to really highlight and say, if you did nothing else, this is what you should do. Uh, well, there's a couple questions in there, I guess. Uh, you know, uh, two things. One is um, don't be afraid to use other methods of data collection. Certainly online surveys is another great way to collect information. Um, I often find that comes better after you've done some more, you know, qualitative type work. Again, in the field, um, you know, customer interviews, uh, win-loss, whatever that is. But you might get to a point where like, you know, I, I really like a larger data set and on a very particular topic where, again, uh, an online survey that takes even, you know, a couple minutes, you know, three questions. Um, don't be afraid of doing that. And also be aware that that can be a very good uh, tool, a very good solution to capturing voice of the customer, capturing market problems, right? And I've, I've, used, um, I've used surveys and survey tools quite a bit to do that. I guess another, you know, the last thing I would put a point on or, you know, to sum it all up, again, it, it would definitely be how important this, uh, this practice is, right? This practice of uh, primary research and talking to people, having conversations, having it be, you know, as frequent as, as, as it can be based on your role in product marketing or product management. Um, but also, you know, having a method to it, right? Um, don't just go out and talk to people and, you know, shoot the breeze about the basketball score last night and, you know, hey, I've got a relationship with customers, but really, you know, get into the uh, get into the weeds, right? Ask them somewhat hard questions. Ask them about their business. Ask them about their problems. Um, but, yeah, again, the, the number one overarching thing is just do it. Right? you got to do it. It's important. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today, Chad. It has been a pleasure to have you on, and I hope you'll join us again sometime. Oh, the pleasure's been all mine, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. All right. That does it for today's episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career.